Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. So we're all a little loopy. We're all a little tired, but thank you for coming, Mike and Austin, for playing and stuff. And we're a little bit more relaxed this morning. But that's good because this is an important discussion that we need to have and stuff about the church and, and everything. Um, last week, if you you know if you if you've been here, we've been talking about um, first of all, we don't just show up. Um, we we actually have a reason and a purpose to be here. We have a function. Um, so many times we just show up to church, you know, even as little kids or as like oh, I'm still figuring out my life and everything. Every person at the church has a function. Every single one that's there, and so um, it's our job to figure that out, find that out, and to live that out, and to be that kind of. A, and then last week we talked about being a unifying church member. Um, I love that Jesus. One strategy to reach the world was the unity of his church. And that's what he prayed for. And that is the best way for the world for us to see um, and for the world to see who Christ is through the church. And so this is big stuff. And, and so you look at this and you're like, yeah, that just makes sense. Um, and the one today, it just really makes sense. But we're not seeing it played out in a church because I think one of the greatest problems that, and diseases that is affecting our church is selfishness at a lot of ways. And we know what selfishness looks like. We know what it looks like with kids, you know. <laughs> we've probably all seen that at some time. If we have kids or we've watched kids, mine, mine, mine. It's, you know, it's the little seagulls on Nemo. You know, mine, 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 mine. And we, it's all this, all this fighting. We've seen that. And, of course, at kids, we expect that. But as adults, no, we don't should, but we do fight over things and like the remote's mine and that's my television and that's my stuff and that's it and so it's really a lot about self-interest and self that and so today what we uh martin luther king i I love this he says every man must decide whether he will walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness and that every one of us has to decide especially like living in a church and all this stuff and so today um jesus calls us in Mark nine thirty one, Mark nine thirty five. If anyone wants to be first, he must be last. Um, I'm sorry, he must be last of all and servant of all. And so that's what I really want to talk about today. And the church, general, and the church here, local. What that looks like. Because um, um, we've got to figure out what the self. Because I've been in a lot of churches, and we got to figure out what selfishness looks like first of all. So that we can stop it. Um, and how we live that out in a church. Um, because I think it, selfishness is the greatest church killer right now. And I'll, and I'll explain that. Um, but I think selfishness is killing more churches in our country than anything else um, that's happening. So let's pray and let's just dive in. And if you're like, hey, I think you're wrong. Today's a great day because there's so good just to speak up and say, Tony, you're an idiot. You know, I think you're just loopy. Or how do you, why do you think that? And so let's, let's have a little conversation back and forth this morning. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I got even in, um, exhaustion and sore muscles and entire and with busyness and craziness in our lives and all that's going on. Um, God, in all of that, you're in control. God, and that you have something for us to hear 
something for us to learn, um, God, and something for us to do today. And so, God, I ask that you would help us put aside the stuff that's happening outside of this moment. Um, the weariness, the worries, all that. God, and let us just take the next 30 minutes just to focus on you. Now, we are not a church unless your hand is upon this. We will never be a church unless you're in this. So, God, we want to do this your way. And we want to become the church that you command us and created us to be. So, God, would you reveal that more and more this week? And would you speak and be honored by everything that happens? In Jesus' name, amen. So, here's the deal. So, selfishness in the church. And I say this, and, and I'll get into this, that we're, we're having a lot of problems with churches. that are like, I want this, I want this. And I thought it was really interesting um, serving starts with each of us. It, it starts with an attitude and a desire says, I'm going to be a servant. And to serve is 58 times in the New Testament. Servant is used 57 times. And by the way, the word for serve or servant in the New Testament is doulos, which is the exact same word for slave. Um, that over a over hundred times, Jesus the Holy Spirit, God, puts in his word saying, there is something about you either serving or being a servant. You know, I know in my household, when I have to repeat myself two or three times, <laughs> it gets really frustrating. God repeats it over a hundred times in the New Testament. And so it's got to be something that's important. It, it starts with, and the, the idea is it's not an option. We think... Like, I don't feel led. <laughs> I don't feel led to the... Serving is not an option. In fact, it, it's, it's a command. We just read in Mark 9.35, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all. It, it, it's a command. It's like Jesus says, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to serve. <laughs> He even said, you know, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. <clears throat> At the end, when he knew the cross was coming and everything was happening, he chose to do the most menial thing that anybody could do at that time. And he washed his disciples' feet. And we look at that and we make it a nice like little thing that we do at church now. But do we truly understand that that was the most menial thing that anybody could do in that culture? And that's what Jesus says, listen, I've done this, now you're going to do what I do. So serving has never, ever been an option. The next one, Paul. Paul says this, he says, listen, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Like, this is a gift, and I became a servant. This not, serving's just not an option. Being a servant is not an option. The problem is, is I think we forget because there are only two types of churches, I think, on this planet right now. There's the inwardly focused and there's the outwardly focused. And it's going to be very, very clear in the coming years and even now to be able to tell which is which. See, I, it, it, It's interesting. Everything that I'm reading is that um, the inward focused church is the church that says it's my music. It's my seat. It's my building. 
it's my needs. You know, the inwardly focused church is that time where like you show up at a church and you sit in somebody else's pew and they tell you <laughs> that's that that's that's my that's my that's my pew. And I don't know if you ever I've I've seen that at a church. Or hey, we're gonna do something different with the music and we're gonna do something you don't you don't touch my music. I used to love I the lady that got so mad at me one time, she's like, We just we have to sing all the hymns. I'm like, you know, I agree, I think hymns are great, but when the hymns came out, they had the same people like you sitting there going, You can't allow that in the church. God is God of all, and so it, it's about my preferences and it's about my needs and how am I being fulfilled. That's an inwardly focused church. And the truth is is Jesus was kind of harsh. About that in Luke 11. He says, woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace. It's all about you. Pharisees and woe to you. I think it's really interesting in the Bible that the harshest words that God uses that Jesus says to anybody is to the churchgoers, the religious. The Pharisees were the teachers, the ones that had the church. I mean, the synagogue, they ran it. They did everything they should have known better. And Jesus holds absolutely nothing back. And so we have churches that are basically filled with Pharisees that says, it's about me. It's about me, what I want, and everything like that. And that's the inwardly focused church. And I can tell you, every inwardly focused church on this country has either flatlined or is dying. So at the beginning, when I say selfishness is killing the American church, the Western church, it is true. Because every church that is all about my buildings, my budgets, my programs, you know, we, my choirs, my all this stuff, when it becomes about me and my, this is what I like and this is what I want, and it's all about me, those churches in this country, without a doubt, are dying. They're decreasing, they're declining, or they're already dead and they don't know it. It's staggering to see the statistics. I think a few weeks ago when we started, we said 9 out of 10 churches are either have just kind of flat line and said they're not growing at all with their community or they're in decline. Those 9 churches are churches that are focused on this. And all the research, everything points to that. So, so what, what about the outwardly focused? Man, they are gospel-driven. I love this. The, the outward church is a church that says, we're here to reach the world. We are an Acts 2 church. It says in, verse, in Acts 2, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The very first church, when it got together, understood that it's not about us. They didn't have business meetings. Where they're like, Peter, what hymn selection should we sing this, this week when we gather? And let's make sure. I mean, even when they forced, if you read the New Testament, when they forced their old stuff that they thought was important to them, they got slammed. Remember when they show up in the Gentiles? No. They need to be circumcised too and follow. 
Jesus. And Paul came back and says, no, this is wrong. Even the apostles came back and says, no, this isn't right. Anytime we have Jesus and something, we were an inwardly focused church and we are going to die. Anytime you put Jesus and, you can be a follower of Jesus if you wear a suit and tie and come to church. You can be a follower of Jesus if, if you stand this time and kneel this many times. You can, you can do Jesus and this. And I think that and is what is killing our churches. Where this church, the Acts 2 church, man, they were gospel for, they were like, listen, if we have it and you need it, take it. Uh, it it's really weird to be in a place where the churches are so competitive. I've been in Claremont for eight years, and they've always been competitive. They're like, well, we can't do this. We've been down here, you know, six months or so, me trying to meet pastors and talk to them. I'm like, Fuck them. well, we're not going to do anything together. We, you know, maybe we'll have lunch or, or not returning phone calls at all. And it's frustrating because I know there are 30,000 people here. In Claremont, for the past, since, I don't know, since we've lived here for eight years, it, says, it said 85% of the people don't go to church. And that's never changed. So with me, I'm trying to think like, listen, if it's our job to build God's kingdom, if the church's goal is to be the hope of it, then why don't we be about that? Even that means if we're helping somebody else or they're helping us, let's help each other. Because there's so many people dying and going to hell that that should bother us as a church. The inwardly focused church? Are we having a potluck this week or not? Is more focused on themselves. And it's a dying church. Man, I want to be a gospel-driven church. Which means I have to understand that I'm called to be a servant. I have to serve you. You have to serve me. I have to, we have to serve each other and all this stuff. But an outwardly focused church is a church that's growing today. Everywhere, no matter what city, what place in the country, what place in the world, if they were a gospel-focused, outwardly focused church, they are growing today. 100% of the time. It's amazing what's happening. So, really, for us, it's us making this decision. We, we, we have to put on the mind of Christ. And we, we just did a whole thing with Philippians. And, and we know this. We've heard this. It says, Philippians 2.5, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. I mean, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He's basically, Paul says, man, this is who you're supposed to be. And what did he say? He didn't take advantage of his position. If anybody had any right to take advantage of his position, Jesus did. I'm God. Those roads are dirty. I don't want my feet ever to touch. I mean, Jesus could literally just have floated across the ground so his feet never got dirty the entire time he was here. He could have done anything he wanted to. But he didn't take advantage of his position. So many times in our churches, we take advantage of our position, don't we? Well, I've been in this church since it started. And so, well, congratulations, so have I. <laughs> and God may use you or move you or whatever, and God may use me and move me, but it's not about my position. It's about, man, is, 
Is the gospel going out? Is the church doing what it's supposed to? So he didn't take advantage of that. So we have the same mind. He became a servant. Again, rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a doulos, a slave. Being made in human likeness. And I always like that, that he makes sure he knows. He says, listen, you're my creation, but this was a step down for me. And how often are we not willing to step down, to stoop? I, I get this picture of, when I worked at Disney, you'd have little kids, and they always said, get on eye level with them. And so when we talk to little kids, all this, this, this picture of me getting down at eye level with kids and talking, that's how I picture God, this passage to me, is that Jesus got down on my level and said, now we can talk. And as followers of Christ and stuff, when we're in the church, when we serve people, it is us stooping down and saying, how can I help? That's the picture I get from this. Humbled himself, and he gave everything. Jesus held absolutely nothing back. I'm not telling you to empty your bank accounts and all that other stuff. I'm just saying, what you can give, if it's the smallest amount, if it's the smallest amount of time, the smallest amount of energy, smallest amount of thing, God takes that tiny bit of thing and he changes the world with it. So if you are only giving this much in service, could you imagine what would happen if you give a lot more? What God would do with a lot more? Could you imagine? I mean, how much would have one drop how many people would one drop save of Jesus? Because it took all the blood. What? What? I mean, I just I think about those things. I know it's not, it's kind of creepy, but Jesus. What if Jesus just said, "Okay, three drops. That's for the Israelites." <laughs> but he gave everything, and this is this is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to look and treat each other. So I love this. Jack Dennison wrote one book, and I'm trying to find it and buy it. I wish it, it was not on digital content. It's one book, and it's about city changing. That's this guy. I don't know if you probably never heard of Jack Dennison. I never heard of Jack Dennison before this week. And I was like, I love quotes. I want to find a really cool quote and everything. And I found this book about how do you change a city. And I love what he said. I gotta find this book and put it on my shelf somewhere. It says, The church has earned the reputation of being concerned only for itself. Others have concluded this because the answer to every question is to do something else for ourselves. Let's pray more. Let's conduct another citywide prayer and worship event. Let's build another building. Let's tell people what we think about this issue and so on. It's always about us. If we are going to become an agent of spiritual and social transformation, it is going to have to be about them. Squeaky. <laughs> I'm going to oil that. <laughs> Listen to that. Listen to that statement. Listen to that last statement. It's If we are going to be an agent of spiritual and social transformation, it is going to have to be about them. So if that means that we have the best opportunity to reach people with the gospel by having a Saturday night service down here, then we're going to do a Saturday night service. If it means we have to do a Thursday night service, whatever it takes is the best to reach them. That's what we're going to do. If it means we're in a school, we'll be in a school. If we're in a house, we're in a house. I don't 
care anymore where we are. I don't care if we ever have this huge building, wonderful building with a giant cross and, and bells and all that stuff. I don't care. If that's what it takes to reach 30,000 people, then that's what we do. And I think we have to get to the point where we're asking ourselves, what do I have to do to reach them? God, what have you called? You've called me to be an active and use my gift to not just show up. You've called me to be an agent of unity. God, and you've called me to serve here. So what do I do to reach them? Because that's what this is about. That's when we're the church. And I can tell you there are, I can name them by name, but I won't do it. But there are churches in Claremont that aren't the church. Because they are more focused about what we want than they are about what is going on out here. Because if they, if the churches in Claremont, if the churches here were focused on what about them, eighty-five of the percent of the people would not. That number would change. We would start seeing people go to church because I think the gospel still works and the gospel still is appealing and the gospel changes everything. I love that. I gotta find that book. If we are going to. Um, I got it right. It's uh, City Changer Community. You just look up Jack Dennison. That's it. City Reaching. Yeah, it's on Amazon. I want it digital. I must spell. Um, I'd love it digital, but I can't. I think he did one book, so I want to buy this book because I'm City Reaching. City Reaching by Jack Dennison. You would have laughed if I felt it. I know you saw it like that little spring. I know. I was done. So, yeah, you would, you would, and I would have prayed no boils on this one, Lord, either. Don't bring your plagues upon this man. I prayed that yesterday for someone; they were bugging me. Anyway, here's our here's our little statement. Yeah, here's our statement. I was really tired. It says, "I am a church member. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. That is self-serving." I'm a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with any inconvenience, any inconvenience and matters that aren't my preference or style. If it becomes all about them, listen, we may do like music at a time that you're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible, but and loud and crazy and like, yeah. I believe in hymns, and I believe in legacy, and I believe in all that. But I believe more than anything, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach them. You know, I, I, I was praying this the other day. We, we meet on Sundays out of respect and honor for Christ rising on Sunday. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we have to meet. The Bible says to have a Sabbath. And so if we meet on Saturdays, it doesn't change us being a church or not, any of that stuff. It may mean we reach more people. We are, this Friday, we're going out to hand out Halloween candy. Um, we have to be down at Kagan's Crossing about like 2.30 to start setting up. And from 4 to 8, kids are going to come by. Am I like a big promoter of Halloween? No. It's it's become a commercialized thing. And if you don't actually know the history of All Hallows Eve and you know Saints Day and all this stuff and why, 
and stuff. No, I'm not a promoter. But for four hours Friday, we're going to get a chance to put candy in a kid's bag that belongs to another parent and put a card in their hand saying, hey, how can we pray for you? And so, no, I'm not a big Halloween promoter. And I know there's, like, I've already had people like, you're going to hand out trick-or-treat candy? You're trick-or-treating with kids? I'm like, yeah, for the sake of the gospel. Because if I have to stoop down to reach people's gospel, I'm going to just follow what Jesus did. And so, yeah, Friday, we're going to hand out trick or And we need help. We need to still collect more candy and buy candy this week. I have no idea how many kids are going to show up. And we want to be there and just meet the families. But if that means the gospel goes, then I'm willing to do that, my preference. If I don't like, you know, meeting in a house, we'll pray that we do that. But that's not my preference. It still may be someone else I can invite to come with me. Because I tell you, no one off the street is just going to show up at our house, probably, and go to church. But they may come if you invite them. If they see a face that they know and they recognize that's why we're handing out candy, by the way, Friday, so we actually meet people. And so whatever it takes. So my heart is that it becomes all about them. There's plenty of stuff because here's the other really cool thing, and I'm going to close with this. I know I'm kind of rambling, but here's the really cool thing. is I know in the church you're like, well, pastor, you need to disciple me, and you, you, I need to grow and become more like that, and I've got to be fed. Here's the deal. When we become more like Jesus and we are sharing the gospel and we are we are reaching people and we are serving people, guess what? You are becoming a disciple. It is the best discipleship program out there. In our country, in our culture, we've made discipleship a class we take in some Bible study. I've seen more people become more like Jesus when they just learned how to share the gospel and had the courage to do it and became outreach-minded and outwardly focused. They became disciples. If you experience your faith by living it out, you will grow more than you ever will in sitting in a room with your Bible open and taking notes. Because it's a it's a living word. And so that's, we want you to disciple. We want you to grow in your faith. But we want you to do that by actually living this out. And so, I just, I'm excited. I think we're going to be a church that is not about us. And we're going to be saying, how do we get outside the box? How do we reach more people? How do we serve more people missionally here and around the world? That That's the church I want to be. That's a member, type of member I want to be. That That's the other thing. There's a difference between the church that you want to be and the type of member you're willing to be to become that church. Please ask yourself this week, am I willing to be the member that will create that church? And if we're doing this, we will. So, let's pray. And then I'm going to collapse. Right. Father God, we thank you so much. Um, the church was your idea. You've always had the plan for it, God. And I, we've made it so complicated and convoluted. It is just about...